49 is the events of, you know, what was going on in the Middle East. And, um, you know, I don't think any of us that night as we uh, looked at that, and it was a blessing to be able to do that. By the way, it is up on our website. A lot of you have been asking for that on the midweek study. Just be able to pull it up as you go on uh, the website if you're able to do that, ccgreeley.com, and you can listen to that teaching. Um, if that's something that um, you're not able to do and you'd like a CD, then just sign up at the information desk and we'll make sure that that is made for you so you have that and those are free and available for you. But anyway, um, you know, we were praying for our nation last week and we were talking about those things. I don't think any of us last week dreamed of what would happen um, the following days and last weekend with the flooding. And, uh, of course, um, it's made national news. Um, and I've had calls from people from uh, L.A. all the way from um, Florida um, on relief teams wanting to come out and help out and what do we need to do. And, and it really can be a little bit overwhelming of uh, all that's out there and the resources. It's a good thing. And, and even all the churches that want to help and uh, we want to kind of get it organized. And I was at a meeting with a number of pastors. And we're just kind of trying to do that because in time of tragedy, that's when the church really should be at its best, um, to be able to shine the light of Jesus Christ and give truth to others. And, uh, and Journey Church has um, really kind of been kind of the base of operation uh, for a lot of what the church is doing here in Greeley. I listened to the um, city manager, Greeley, and Greeley really came out um, with just very little damage on some on the southeast corner, but most of it was in Evans, of course, and then out into Kersey and Millican and Johnstown, and, and um, of course, Loveland and Longmont uh, went through tremendous uh, damage as well, lines up in the canyon areas. Um, some of those people are being evacuated out. It's been the largest airlift uh, of, of people since Katrina. And uh, some of those people aren't, aren't going to be able to get back into their homes till next spring because um, many uh, miles of the road is washed out there going up to Estes Park on Highway 34 and 36. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done and um, a lot of people wanting to help, and that's a good thing. So, um, again, the big thing for us and the big concern, of course, is in Evans where the wastewater treatment plant um, was... Uh, overburden and, and the water came in and it's down so they're working on that is is try to get at least a temporary fix as quickly as possible when that's going to happen we don't know so we kind of been making an assessment of of people here that we can that need help and 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 there have been those who are opening up their homes if you need shower uh, if you need a place to go and, and do laundry whatever it might be so uh, if you really need that we have uh, some resources and some people that are willing to open up their homes so make sure that you give us a call on that and we'll be happy to steer you in the right direction and um, and um, other things as well I know some of you want to help you're asking what can we do to help um, it's just now kind of starting to get organized uh, a little bit um, some of those areas are still very dangerous to get into uh, the water is very contaminated and that's something that is of concern with the health department uh, some of the people are going in and getting some of their belongings what little that they had and they're walking through very contaminated water with sewage and oil and everything else um, you know that uh, is in that water and uh, going through with flip-flops and things like that and so as the work begins as they go into those areas they want to make sure 
um, that you are, you know, protected and you got protected, you know, clothing on and things like that so they can do it right and everybody is safe. And so that's getting organized. Um, the Red Cross is here uh, in, in uh, Larimer County, in Weld County. They've, they've set up. Um, there's a number of agencies, but also Samaritan Purse is here, and I was glad to see them here. And um, in Samaritan Purse, uh, of course, uh, Ministry of Franklin Graham, uh, actually the Operation Christmas Child that we do in November, that we're such a big part of, that all the shoeboxes come here, that's under Samaritan's Purse. And, um, and they have a, a relief team that they mobilize all over the world, and they are very, very good at it. As a matter of fact, the first time that opportunity to see them in action was uh, in New York when I was uh, there uh, ministering to New York City police officers. Samaritan's Purse was there and a big part of that relief in bringing um, you know, ministry to uh, not only um, the first responders, but also to the whole city, and they do it very, very well. So they are set up actually at Journey Church, and they're actually also going to be doing some training that's going to be Tuesday at the Vineyard, which is downtown. So if you're interested, and what we'll do on Sunday is try to get some of this information out to you, because people are saying, how can we help, how can we give? Um, and Samaritan Purses just come in, and they're starting to get set up, uh, as well as, you know, um, there's all these resources. And, and where you got to be careful when something like this happens, especially um, here in our area, there was a lot of flooding, and, um, but it, it wasn't... Um, um, it wasn't to where it was to the degree, obviously, like Katrina, where it was just so overwhelming. So a lot of people want to come in, and what can happen is, if we're not careful, is it can create more problems and challenges. And what I mean by that is there's people that are displaced that need you know, places to stay in room. And if you get a lot of people that are coming from all over, like I said, I've gotten calls from, um, you know, Los Angeles. We've got a team we want to come out. Uh, they said, call you and, and um, you know, and uh, we got your name. And so what can we do? And I'm going, I'm not sure um, what you can do because some of those areas we can't even get in. Um, one of the guys at the meeting said, we got a bunch of Southern Baptists that got chainsaws that are coming up. And it's like, okay, here we go. So, <laughs> God bless them, you know. People want to help. They, they do want to help, and that's a good thing. But what can happen with all the people coming in, then they need a place to stay. You see what I mean? So we, we want to be um, diligent, and they're trying to get that all organized. And there's um, going to be plenty of cleanup that needs to be done. And uh, I don't think they know all the extent of the damage until they can get into certain areas. But uh, one of the things that I hope that, um, that we remember that God has something for, for us to do and perhaps for you to do as you pray about it. Maybe you can go down and, and go through that training through Samaritan's Purse, which I highly recommend that any of you that want to do that. They have chaplains that are deployed that are for critical incidents uh, because people are being stressed out. And I think that's what we're going to start seeing. Um, we're really going to start seeing people um, after, the, the, you know, the, the waters recede and, you know, they got to clean up. And they, sometime they've got to filter through this. They've got to filter through all this stuff. And, and, um, and it becomes hard. And eventually a lot of those people are going to hit a wall um, coming up. And um, so that's where um, really that, um, you know, we can come in and be a great encouragement 
and, um, and be able to bless them and to be able to give the truth to them. Um, one of the things of being on the radio is some people have just called here because they've heard us on the radio. And already some calls come in of, of those who sound very desperate and um, who are just very stressed out and um, just need to talk. And so we've been able to do that as much as possible. Um, if anything that you hear of or, or anything that might be helpful in how we can help people, please let me know um, because there's a lot out there and a lot of information out there. Be careful to filter, you know, what is, you know, misinformation and what is true. And, and we all have to be careful in that. And, of course, the scammers are going to come out here. And um, they're going to be hitting the area very, very soon. They already have, I think. And um, so we just want to be able to um, be a help to people. And, and kind of there's, you know, Salvation Army. There's Red Cross. There's Samaritan's Purse. There's, you know, Well County, um, you know, emergency centers. There's all these things which are needed um, but also to be able to kind of coordinate things um, as that is all going on. So um, we'll kind of get that together. And um, again, if you have needs or anything that we can help with, one of the things that we can pray for is um, there's a pastor friend of mine who pastors a church in Millican, and they had um, they uh, kind of rent the uh, this um, community center there for their service. So they have a storage area that they put all their chairs and everything in, and that got flooded. So um, I, you know, talked to him and, and said, you know, let us know what we can help with. So that might be something, you know, those little things that uh, we can help with as a church to be able to say, hey, we can help you get some chairs or buy some chairs. Um, there's probably sound systems, things like that. He hasn't even had a chance to be able to go and look yet. Um, and he will be able to this weekend. So, um, you know, things like that that we'll update you on. And, um, and we'll just continue to pray and, and reach out and, and help and be able to give a message of hope to others. Uh, one of the things that the Lord has given me this verse uh, over the weekend as I was out and out with some of the um, first responders and get, getting um, information and briefings at the uh, command center for the uh, county emergency center, and uh, the Lord just uh, kind of spoke this to me in Isaiah 43, verses uh, 2 and 3. And here Isaiah is talking about the Lord. Um, we can go, we've been through a lot as a state, haven't we? We've been through the fires um, that a year ago, drought. We've been through um, now the floods, and um, the people get overwhelmed with that. And we want to give them um, the one true hope, and that is the Lord. And the Lord is talking to the nation of Israel about his continued love and his promises for them. And the thing is, is God's promises are still true. And he says this to them, that when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And so, Father, we thank you. Thank you that we can come here and, and we know that, that ultimately and that, Lord, spiritually, that in life, whether people here, and we know that many in our community are going through, going through the floodwaters, perhaps some have experienced that we know through the flames, literally, as we saw hundreds of homes be burnt up, our neighbors to the west here and down south and Black Forest and Colorado Springs, that they've lost everything. 
But Lord, we know that you're always with us. And you promise to work all things out for good for those who love you, who are called according to your purposes. And Lord, that we can call out to you and cry out to you. And just as we sang tonight, that you will rescue us. That you are our Savior. You're our Redeemer. And Lord, we thank you that we can come and we can look to the ultimate hope, and that is your Son, Jesus. And Father, I just pray for those who are displaced and those who are frustrated and those who are really right now burdened. And Lord, those who are looking for, for hope, looking for a future, knowing that you're the one that says that you're our hope and future, that your thoughts towards us are thoughts of peace and not of evil. And to be able to bring people to that, that truth and, and point to you and and to know, just as even as tonight as we read in our text, that when your people were troubled, they cry, cried out to you and you delivered them. And so, Lord, may we be individually just sensitive and wise to those around us. And, and maybe it might be this week that it is somebody that we minister to that isn't even affected by the floods, but maybe it's somebody else that's going through a flood of problems just personal or financial or whatever it might be, in their family. To be able to, to just be able to be hospitable and to be able to speak to them, bring comfort to them. And Lord, I pray as a church that as we gather with other believers, that the Christians in this community, I'm so thankful, and others all around that want to come and help, and we do. Most of all, we want to be a light and give the gospel. Then we want to help in very practical ways. So, Lord, I pray that as the Christians and people are mobilized, that we would be able to do that effectively and wisely, and and those resources would be distributed to where people in need would receive them. And, Lord, that we would do it out of a love for Jesus Christ. Father, I do pray that tonight as we study your word, that um, right now our hearts would be um, soft and our ears open to you and the things that you want to say to us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So as we are in Second Chronicles chapter 13, we do read that in the 18th year, King Jeroboam, that Abijah became king over Judah. And he reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Micaiah, the daughter of Uriel of Gibeah. And there was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. And Abijah set the battle in order with an army of valiant warriors, 400,000 choice men. And Jeroboam also drew up in battle, formation against him with 800,000 choice men, mighty men of valor. And so as we continue here in our journey through Second Chronicles, we know that Abijah here, he takes the throne after his father Rehoboam uh, dies. And Rehoboam, of course, being the son of Solomon. So at this time, the grandson of Solomon is sitting on the throne. And we saw that Solomon, of course, we talked about him, that he reigned during the greatest time of peace and prosperity and power that the history of Israel had ever experienced. But it was short-lived because his son Rehoboam who was not right with the Lord, that he was one that, uh, because of his arrogance and because of his pride, the ten northern nations broke away, and now you have the house of Israel and the house of Judah. 
And Second Chronicles is dealing with the kings of Judah. It's not like First and Second Kings, where we saw that we went back and forth. At one time we were reading about the kings of Israel. There were 19 kings, and all of them were wicked kings. And the first king was Jeroboam. And so in the 18th year of King Jeroboam, you recall that Jeroboam, that he would establish a couple of places of idol worship there in Israel, one up at Dan and one in Bethel, the temples built to the golden calves, told the people not to go down to Judah and worship at the temple any longer. So 18 years have happened at this time since the nation has split, and Rehoboam, who was one that led the nation again into idolatry, he passes off the scene, and here is Abijah. He comes on the scene, and there's going to be this this battle, this this huge numbers that are mentioned here in our text here, he has in the house of Judah 400,000 choice men. And Jeroboam, he has 800,000 men with him that are mighty men of valor. So you're talking about over a million men that are facing each other, ready to go to war. And, and so this is something that is very serious. This is something that is very major. And, and we see that uh, Abijah here, uh, he's ready to go to war. He's out number two to one so he's going to try to talk his way into a truce is what he's going to do and as he does that verse four abijah stood on mount samarium and which is in the mountains of ephraim and said hear me jeroboam and all israel should you not know that the lord god of israel gave the dominion over israel to david forever to him and his sons by a covenant of salt Yet Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the servant of Solomon, the son of David, rose up and rebelled against his Lord. Verse 7, Then worthless rogues gathered to him and strengthened themselves against Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, when Rehoboam was young and inexperienced and could not withstand them. And now you think to withstand the kingdom of the Lord, which is in the hand of the sons of David, and you are a great multitude, and with you are the gold calves which Jeroboam made for you as gods? Have you not cast out the priests of the Lord, the sons of Aaron and the Levites, and made for yourselves priests like the peoples of the other lands, so that whoever comes to consecrate himself with a young bull and seven rams may be a priest of things that are not gods? Verse 10, but as for us, the Lord is our God, and we have not forsaken him. And the priests who minister to the Lord are the sons of Aaron, and the Levites attend to their duties. And they burn to, every, or they burn to the Lord every morning and every evening, burnt sacrifices and sweet incense. And they also set the showbread in order on the pure gold table and the lampstand of gold with its lamps to burn every evening. For we keep the command of the Lord our God, but you have forsaken him. Now look, God himself is with us as our head and as priests with sounding trumpets to sound the alarm against you. O children of Israel, do not fight against the Lord God of your fathers, for you shall not prosper. So in this address, as he's talking, here's the king of Judah. He's talking to Jeroboam. He's talking to the house of Israel. And it's really uh, quite a, a sermon that he gives, isn't it? And what he's saying is very true, isn't it? He, he reminds them the, of the covenant of the salt. Uh, and that is that the, God chose to uh, have David be on the throne. And the throne, the dynasty of David, was to rule over all of the 12 tribes of Israel. And even though he uh, was 
uh, a good king. It was God's intention for that to continue on. And we see that he would say that, that his son Solomon came on the throne, then Rehoboam came on the throne, and when Rehoboam was very young and he was inexperienced, that it was Jeroboam that took advantage of him. And the division that has happened in this nation is really your fault. And you've kicked out all the priests and the Levites. And we saw that after the nation split and Jeroboam did introduce idol worship, that the Levites and the priests, they left those Levitical cities and they came to Judah and Jeroboam would set up this false you know, priesthood that would be over the house of Israel. So what he's saying is true. You've set up false prophets, you're idol worshipers, and you don't have a chance. Because if you fight us, you're going to be fighting against the Lord. So this is a really good speech, isn't it? And, and, and it's really biblical what he's saying. The things that he's saying is very true. That's what we have seen that the Lord has said that if you follow after me that I'm going to bless you and I'm going to protect you from your enemies. And here he was saying these things, but here's the interesting thing. Is that when you compare this, as you read chapter 13 here, to then 1 Kings chapter 15, reading this you think, you know, Abijah, he's a godly man. He really loves the Lord. He's really following after the Lord. But what is interesting is 1 Kings chapter 15 tells us something different. And it tells us that he followed after the sins of his father. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord. How could it be that here is a king that his heart is not loyal to the Lord, but yet he, he gives this very wonderful you know, presentation. He gives this very wonderful you know, speech here that is very, very biblically sound and true in what he is saying. And I think there's a very important lesson in this. You see, you can come and you can quote scripture and you can sing the songs, you can say amen, you can put on a scene, you can put on an act where you're quoting scripture, you sound very godly, but God sees the heart. And here is a man that God saw his heart, that he wasn't loyal to him, the Lord. He wasn't loyal to God, and he was one that followed in the sins of his father. And you can fool people. You can fool people at church. You can fool your family at times, but you cannot fool God because God knows what is in our hearts. So here is a man that, that he's giving this, this you know, address to the house of Israel that is very true. Hey, God is for us. You guys are idol worshipers, and, and God is going to be on our side because we're the ones that are right with God. And it was a mixed message, really, what it was, because we know that this king here of Judah wasn't loyal to the Lord, is what the Scripture says. But anyway, while he's given all of this speech to them, we see that there is Jeremiah that he sets up this ambush in verse 14. And when Judah looked around, to their surprise, the battle line was at both front and rear, and they cried out to the Lord, and the priests sounded the trumpets. And then the men of Judah gave a shout, and as the men of Judah shouted, it happened that God struck Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. So we see here that um, Jeroboam up north sets up this ambush while uh, uh, Abijah is still is speaking and talking, and it wasn't good for Judah. So they ended up crying out to the Lord. I'm so grateful that we can do that in those times where we feel surrounded by the enemy, that we can cry out to the Lord. But here's the thing to always remember. Calling on the Lord should be the first thing that we do, not the last thing that we do. See, sometimes Christians go through their lives and they cry out to the Lord when they go through crisis. 
And we want to be ones that we cry out to the Lord in the times of our lives when things are going good and when things are not going good. We don't want to just be Christ's Christians, but we want to maintain that close relationship with the Lord and devotion to the Lord always and be ones that we are in communication with the Lord in prayer, and that is going through the Word of God. That's why devotions are very important. So here are these guys that cry out to the Lord, and we can do that in times of crisis. I'm thankful, but also remember that you're staying in touch with the Lord as well, as we're going to see in the next chapter, that we're going to learn from Asa that he would do that when things were good and there was rest in the land. He continued to be strong in the Lord, and that's what you and I want to do. But as we notice here that in verse 13 at Jeroboam, I want to bring this point out, that he went behind Judah and he went in front of them. And you see, that's the same tactic of the enemy. The enemy, what he wants to do is that he will condemn you for your past. Whatever is behind you. Whatever that you've put under the blood of Jesus Christ. And there are times where we can just kind of get hit, where the accuser of the brethren, which he is called in Revelation chapter 12, just you know, starts reminding us of our past. You remember how you did this, and you did that, and um, you used to be this way, and how can you consider yourself a Christian? God doesn't love you, all these things. So what he'll do is try to condemn us for the past, and what we need to do is put the past under the blood of Jesus Christ. And as we discussed on Sunday, what Paul would write to the church of Philippi, that forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forward to those things which are ahead i press forward to the upward call of god in christ jesus and so what we are to do is to press forward in the things of the lord and one of the good things about the past is is that we can put it under the blood of jesus christ one of the best things about yesterday is that it is gone and we can move forward and we can move forward in what the Lord has for us. But also what the enemy does is he attacks from the front. In other words, he tries to get us to worry and wonder about the future, doesn't he? And maybe you're here tonight. And maybe you're worried about the future. You're wondering about the future. I know there's a lot of people in our community that are. They're wondering what's going to happen. I've gone through tremendous loss. And, and I've lost, some have lost everything. What am I going to do? And maybe you're here tonight, maybe the floodwaters haven't affected you, but you're wondering, what's going to happen in the future? What's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen to my health? What's going to happen to my business? What's going to happen with my job? And the enemy will get you to try to worry and try to get you to fret and be upset when the Lord wants us to trust in him and rest in him and what he is doing in our lives and then standing on his promises and telling us that he is going to provide for us, that we're in his hands that he is our future and our hope. So here is this attack that comes, and Judah cries out, and they prevail. But we read in verse 18, as uh, we continue reading, well, let's go to verse uh, 16. And the children of Israel fled before Judah, and God delivered them into their hand. And then Abijah and his people struck them with a great slaughter, so 500,000 choice men of Israel fell slain. And thus the children of Israel were subdued at that time, and the children of Judah prevailed because they relied on the Lord God of their fathers. And Abijah pursued Jeroboam and took the cities 
from him Bethel. Now remember, Bethel was one of those places that Jeroboam had set up that temple that was dedicated to the golden calf. So here he takes some of these cities that are listed here in verse 19 that are in that area that was, um, of course, belonged to the ten northern tribes, and he subdues those cities in verse 20. So Jeroboam did not recover strength again in the days of Abijah, and the Lord struck him, and he died. But Abijah grew mightily, married 14 wives, and begot 22 sons and 16 daughters. Now the rest of the acts of Abijah, his ways and his sayings, are written in the annals of the prophet's uh, idol. So here is Jeroboam. He didn't recover. He loses this war. It says in verse 20 here um, that uh, the Lord struck him. And we can read about that in 1 Kings chapter 14. You recall that the prophet came to Jeroboam and said, Jeroboam, because you have not kept the covenant of the Lord, because you've forsaken him and introduced idol worship to the nation, set up to two golden calves, that your house is going to be judged. And, of course, the house of Jeroboam would be judged, as we see in the account of First Kings chapter 14. And then also we know here um, that uh, Abijah, even though that he was one that heart wasn't loyal to the Lord, we see that the Lord of his mercy and grace would bring victory to the house of Judah. Here's what I want us to leave as we leave here Abijah. He only ruled for three years. Let's have a heart that's loyal to the Lord. And let's have a heart that is really desiring to, to please the Lord in everything that we do in every area of our lives. When it comes to our families, when it comes to our occupations, when it comes to, to raising our children, when it comes to everything. Lord, I want to have a loyal heart towards you. And I want to please you. I don't want to be just the external where I give myself off as being you know, a godly person or a Christian. I wanted to have it in my heart so that it truly is worked out in my life. So here's Abijah. He rules for only a short time. And so now we're going to see that Asa reigns uh, here um, in chapter 14. So Abijah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, reigned in this place. In his days, the land was quiet for ten years. And Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Notice here that Asa, as we... Look at his reign here. Um, He's the great-grandson of Solomon as he takes the throne. He did what was good and right in the sight of the Lord. Notice that he did what was good and he did what was right. You see, those two things need to go together. You can do things that are good, but they're not right in the sight of the Lord. It's like the Pharisees, for example. I think this is a good example for us to understand. The Pharisees did things that were good, didn't they? They fasted. They prayed. They, they were ones that um, gave. They even gave of their, their you know, seeds out there, of you know, their herbs and spices out in their gardens. They gave of everything. They kept the most minute details of the law. They did what was good, but it wasn't right in the sight of the Lord. Because what they did is they blew the trumpets when they gave. They would go to the marketplace and they'd look all gaunt and everybody would say, look at that poor Pharisee, he's fasting today and we're over here shopping in the marketplace. He's so spiritual. Look at him, you know, the long prayers that they would say on the street corners. So they did what was good, but they didn't do what was right. And I want to remind us of something that is a very important principle in our lives. 
that as Christians, we want to do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord, don't we? Not just what is good, but we want to do it in the right way where it pleases the Lord and how we do it. And that's why I believe that this book is so important because this book guides us in how it is that we can live life and raise our families and how we can minister to our children and how we can do service for the Lord in what is good and also how it is right before the Lord and how it pleases Him. So it's very important that we take notice of those two things because sometimes people do things that are good, but they don't have a right heart. They don't have a right motive in doing it. So God talks a lot about that. So that's why I think that we see here that here's Asa. He did what was good and right in the sight of the Lord, and um, we see that he was uh, one that was loyal to the Lord as we're going to continue reading. Verse 3, For he removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. And he also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah and all the kingdom was quiet under him. And he built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. And he had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. In verse 7 we read, Therefore he said to Judah, Let us build these cities and make walls around them, and tower gates and bars, while the land is yet before us, because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and they prospered. They were seeking the Lord. They were removing the places of idol worship, and the kingdom was quiet, and the kingdom was at rest. And during that time, he prepared to strengthen the kingdom. He did it as he did it in two ways. He did it practically, materially, as he fortified the cities, as he made you know the places that they'd be safe from the enemies. So he's investing in that way, but also we're going to see that Asa was one that again, that he told the nation that we're going to follow after the Lord, and he led in that way, and there was rest in their lives, and there was rest in the land. And he did this while there was rest, as we read in our text here. And, um, and that's important for us to, to note. Um, as he was given that rest, as they were doing this work, while that, that time of rest was going on in the land. Here's the thing that I wanted to bring across here tonight. Jesus would say to us in Matthew, or Matthew chapter 7 that he said that we're to be like the wise man, that uh, we built our homes upon the solid foundation so that when the rains and the storm comes and the wind blows, that the house will be able to stand. And that is the one that is likened to the wise man who hears these sayings of minds and does them. So it's very important that in our lives that we're building upon that foundation. What is it that you're doing? Maybe in your life right now, it is a time of rest. You see, in the previous chapter, we saw that the thing that they did is they cried out to the Lord, which we can do in a time of trouble and difficulty. But here Asa is being wise, is that he's preparing his nation, not only in fortifying the city, but he is preparing them in, more importantly, in, as we're going to see here as we continue to read spiritually. And that's where they would be strong. What are you doing in the days of rest are you continuing to grow in the Lord? Are you continuing to know Him? Are you getting strong? Are you building your house upon a solid foundation, that is spiritually, upon the Lord Jesus Christ? Because eventually the storm will come. 
It comes into all of our lives. The winds of adversity will come blowing against you. The rains, the the storm uh, of difficulty will come into our lives. And the question is, what have you been building on during that time before the storm came? Jesus said it was the fool that didn't do that. He built his house upon the sand. So when the winds came, that great was the fall of that house. So I want to encourage you that in the time of rest and in the time where things are going good, that you continue to grow in the Lord and that you are preparing for that time when it is difficult and hard. And we all go through difficulty. Jesus said that you will have tribulation. Not that you might have tribulation. You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. We know that we will all go through difficulties. Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust. But the thing is, what are you doing to to prepare for that when it happens? And we all go through different degrees in life of difficulties and troubles. But life isn't perfect, is it? And I don't think that, that there's anyone in this room that would you know, disagree with that. We all go through some kind of trials or difficulties in life. So you continue to build upon the rock Jesus Christ and grow in your faith and trust. Cry out to him when you're in trouble, but don't forget to do that in the time of rest. You be like Asa that was fortifying the nation and the way that he was doing that was not only in doing that with the cities and building walls around the cities and bar gates and all of that, but he gets the nation ready as well spiritually as we continue to read in um, verse uh, 8 we read, so Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah who carried shields and spears and from Benjamin 280,000 men who carried shields and drew bows and all these were mighty men of valor. And then Zerah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots, and he came to Marisha. And so Asa went out against him. And they set up the troops in battle right in the valley of Sapatha at the Marasha. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us. O Lord, our God, for we rest on you, and in your name we go against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. So all of a sudden, Asa is faced with a storm. He's faced with the storm of a million-man army coming against him. And he cries out to the Lord at this time, And as he cries out to the Lord, he recognizes that God is all-powerful to deliver and to give them victory, even if they face a million enemies. And he recognizes something that's very important for you and I to recognize, and he says that man will not prevail against the Lord. Man will not prevail against you and me. Our God is the one that's going to prevail. And Asa recognizes that just as there have been rest in the land that Lord, you are our rest. And I love his prayer here as he cries out to the Lord, O Lord God, for we rest on you. And in your name we go against the multitude, O Lord. You are God. Do not let man prevail against you. See, here's the thing. The Lord not only wants you to trust in him, but he wants you to rest in him. Oftentimes we say, you know, I'm trusting the Lord, I'm trusting the Lord, I'm trusting the Lord. But are you really resting in him? Are you resting in his love? Are you resting in his promises? And just a sense of confidence and assurance that, Lord, you're going to work in my life. And I know that you're the one that's going to prevail. 
And Lord, that you're the one that's going to strengthen me. And Lord, you're the one that's going to rescue me. And I'm going to see you be faithful to your word and see you be faithful to me. So a very beautiful prayer that, that he gives here is there is victory that is given as the Ethiopians are struck, verse 13, and Asa and the people who were with him pursued them to uh, Gerar. So the Ethiopians were overthrown. They could not recover, for they were broken before the Lord in his army, and they carried away very much spoil. And then they defeated all the cities around Gerar, and uh, the fear of the Lord came upon them. They plundered all the cities, for there was exceedingly much spoil in them. So they attacked the livestock enclosures and carried off sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. And now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Obed, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you're with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And so we see the prophet of God comes to the king, and he reiterates the covenant, doesn't he? And perhaps Asa is thinking, of course, I know this. I just sought the Lord. We just had a great victory over the Ethiopians and, and because I cried out to the Lord, I trusted in him. But here's the thing. We need to be reminded to continually seek the Lord because over time and over the years, what can happen is we can forget. And what we're going to see next week is Asa is going to forget that he's going to have years of rest in the land and blessing because he was loyal to the Lord. But then next week what we're going to see is, is that he's going to forget to seek the Lord in the difficulty and he's going to go and he's going to come up with a plan out of his own you know, planning and direction and uh, seeking an answer. And we're going to see that the Lord's going to rebuke Asa. And what can happen with you and me is that we can seek the Lord, we seek the Lord, and then we find ourselves being blessed and we find ourselves having confidence in a certain area of our lives and then we're not giving it to the Lord. Where we got to be careful, you see, is in our strength can be our greatest weakness. You say, what do you mean by that, Pastor Jeff? We think we're really strong in an area. We think we really got it together. And we forget to give it to the Lord. We forget to say, Lord, I really need you in every area of my life. But we can have a tendency and we can say, Lord, when it comes to my business, everything's great. I don't really need to give it to you. And we just kind of hold back on it. And we start doing things out of our own you know, understanding and our own purposes and our own will. When it comes to our family, when it comes to our marriage, when it comes to serving the Lord. You see, we feel strong in a certain area and we forget to give it to the Lord how much we need Him. And if we are not including the Lord to be preeminent in every area of our lives, that's where we're going to find ourselves failing. It's kind of like Moses. Moses, he was the meekest man on the face of the earth. Where did he fail? He got mad at the people. And he struck the rock and he yelled at the people and he said, you rebels, must we fetch water for you? And the Lord said, Moses, come here. What's this we stuff? You misrepresented me. I'm not angry at the people. And as I said a couple weeks ago, that one commentator said, because he misrepresented the Lord, he never tasted a grape in Cana. We can look and we can see how great men of faith, you know, David was a man after God's own heart, but where did he fail? He failed miserably when he was at the height of his reign. 
He's about 50 years old. He subdued most of his enemies. And there's Joab over in Rabbah that he's just kind of mopping it up. And David it was like, I don't need to go to battle. I'm going to stay here. And he got sloppy and complacent. And what happened? He ended up committing adultery. Peter was one that Peter, I think Peter was a great, grave, great, uh, uh, courageous individual. I mean, he's the one that stepped out of the boat. That took a lot of courage for Peter to do that. I mean, really think about it. Put yourself in his sandals. Would you in a storm step out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, you know, when the Lord said, come to me? I think I'd be really hesitant to do that. And it took a lot of courage for Peter to do that. It took a lot of Peter for, uh, courage for Peter to pull out a sword and cut the ear off of Malchus, the servant of the high priest, in the garden when Peter was saying, Lord, I'll stand by you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you. And what happened? Peter, he tried. He was trying to be so strong in his own energy. And what happened? He was scared of a little girl that would say to him, you're one of them. You're a Galilean, and he cursed and he swore. I don't know the man. we got to be careful that we don't think that we're so strong in some area that we don't need the Lord to really be directing and guiding us and that we're giving that area to the Lord. And what will happen is, if we do, that what will happen is, if we're trying to do things out of our own strength, you'll find that you'll be weak. So here is Asa. He's probably thinking, of course, I'm going to follow after the Lord And for verse 3, a long time Israel had been without the true God, without a teaching priest and without law. But when the trouble, they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, and he was found by them. And in those times there was no peace to the one who went out, nor to the one who came in. But great turmoil was on all the inhabitants of the lands. So the nation was destroyed by the nation, and, and the city by city, for God troubled them with every adversity. But you be strong and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. The exhortation to Asa about Israel's past disobedience. You had teaching priests. So the priests, not only were their responsibilities were to be ones that were doing the sacrifices, but they were also teaching as well. You see, as a priest in your home, it's more than just sacrificing for them. It's more than guys that's coming home and saying, listen, I sacrifice for you guys. I don't have time to spend time with the family, and I have sacrifice. You know, I'm, I'm bringing in the money and all of this. Oh, I appreciate that you sacrifice, and that's part of your responsibilities, but also you're to be one that is teaching your family as well. And that's what the priests were doing. They were teaching priests. And so here it is that, that the exhortation is be strong, and your work will be rewarded. Will you remember this? Whatever you're doing that is good and right in the sight of the Lord, whether it's raising your children in the ways of the Lord, whether it's ministering to whoever it might be, wherever, however you're doing it, that you're going to be rewarded for it. And know this, that Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that, that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. Sometimes we can think, Lord, really, am I doing any good? Is, does anybody really care? Does anybody ever see? The Lord sees. And that thing that might be insignificant to the world, and of course, a lot of the things, if not most of the things, if not all of the things that we do for the Lord to, to the world is insignificant. 
But that small thing that you do, perhaps in encouraging a brother or sister or doing something practical for them, making a meal or, or maybe going over and helping them you know, weed their garden, uh, is you get a cup of water for a child, that, that will not go unnoticed. And you're going to be rewarded for that. So remember that, that your labor that you do for the Lord and wherever he has you presently and however he's working through you is going to be rewarded. And that's what Asa was told. So verse 8, And when Asa heard these words of the prophecy, Obed the prophet took courage and removed the abominable idols from the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities which he had taken from the mountains of Ephraim. And he restored the altar of the Lord that was before the festival of the Lord. And then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those who dwelt with them from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon, for they came over to him in great numbers from Israel when they saw that the Lord God was with him. You see, what was happening is that um, as he removes those places of idol worship and, and um, he restores um, the, you know, the true worship of what has taken place, um, I think it's important for us to, to take notice of that, um, that he is first, as what he does, as he takes away all the places of idol worship, and then he restores true worship. Sometimes people will say, you know what, I want to be restored. I want to, I want to start doing what is right. And one of the things I'll ask them, then what needs to be removed? If you want to be restored and having a closer relationship with the Lord and pleasing the Lord, then usually that means something has to be removed. And maybe there's some kind of idol or some kind of sin or carnality that's going on in your life that needs to go before the Lord really can do that restorative work in your life. And that's something that you have to go to the Lord about. So here's Asa. He's doing some pretty cool stuff. And, and some of the people from Israel, they're seeing that Judah's being blessed because it's bad up in Israel. They, they come down to Judah and we see that in verse 10, so they gathered together at Jerusalem in the third month and in the 15th year of the reign of Asa. And they offered to the Lord at that time 7,000 bulls of 7,000 sheep from the spoil they had brought. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all of their heart and all of their souls. And whoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel was to be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. Now, they were serious about this covenant, weren't they? But here's the thing that we need to remember. We cannot force somebody to come to the Lord. We can't force them to seek the Lord. They, are to seek, they were seeking the Lord and what we are to do with all of our heart and soul, but we cannot force somebody to do that. And then they took an oath before the Lord in a loud voice with the shouting of trumpets and rams and horns. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their soul. And he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. And they removed Mahaka, the mother of Asa, the king, from being queen mother, because she had made an obscene image of Asherah. And Asa cut down her obscene image, then crushed and burnt it in the brook Kedron. And at the high places were not removed from Israel, uh, verse 17, but the high places were not removed from Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was loyal all his days. And he also brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated and that he himself had dedicated silver and gold and utensils 
and there was no more war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa. Next week we'll pick it up here. Things are good right now, but then we're going to see Asa is going to do something um, that he shouldn't have done when we pick it up next week. But I do want to end very quickly. One more minute. Uh, in verse 17, but the high places were not removed. The high places were not removed. What were the high places? They were places of idol worship. They were the places where false worship took place. And he did not remove them. And the thing, that was a mistake that Asa made in some of the kings of Judah. You see, some of the good kings removed the high places. Some of them didn't. In your life, make sure that you remove the high places. Those places of temptation. And you see, when they left them, it was a place of temptation for the house of Judah to go back and begin idol worship once again. Get rid of those places of temptation in your heart, in your home, in your life. Get rid of the high places, whatever it might be for you. That area of temptation. Maybe that thing that is a temptation for you to watch, to see, to listen to, to participate, a place you hang out. Get rid of the high places. Just get rid of it. Don't have them in your life because they're places of temptations and areas of temptation in your life that will cause sin and carnality and sadness and sorrow in your life. So get rid of them. As Father, we just thank you for these lessons that we learn as we go through this text. And so thankful that we can come here tonight and be refreshed in the Word. And Lord, as we've seen very clearly that you desire for us to have a heart for you. Not like the king that would go and even though he gave a great presentation, even though that Abijah was one that spoke a, a good word in what was true biblically, but in his heart it wasn't, he wasn't loyal towards you. And Lord, we want to be loyal towards you with our hearts and do what is good and right as Asa was loyal. But Lord, also that each and every day present our hearts to you and to say, Lord, try us and test us and see if there be anything, wickedness in us, as David would write, and lead us to the way everlasting. Lord, is there any area of our lives where we feel like we're strong and we got it together and we really haven't been giving it to you or praying about that? Is there any high place in our life that we've kind of have their tucked away that's maybe an area of temptation that, Lord, you're dealing with this. Lord, we know that before there is that restoration, there's that removing, but it all needs to be removed. We don't want anything in our lives and in our hearts that hinder us from drawing closer to you, to knowing you more, to being devoted to you. So, Father, what I pray is here tonight. I do pray that Lord, everyone here is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ coming to the cross of Jesus, knowing that salvation comes by faith and trust in Jesus, knowing that he died on the cross for us, was buried and rose again, and that he is our salvation, our hope, that there is none other. And that salvation comes by admitting that that we are sinners and you're a sinner and I need to turn to Jesus and surrender my heart to him and cry out to him for salvation to be my Lord and Savior. But Lord, we know that as we just continue on, as we've come to you and been forgiven, that Lord, we want to have a heart that is towards you, desiring to please you. 
And so, Lord, what my prayer is, is that tonight that we would be building upon the solid foundation, Jesus Christ, hearing these sayings and doing them, having them worked out in our lives. Lord, being ones that we desire to please you in every area of our lives. So, Father, we thank you for those reminders. We thank you for this Bible study, and Lord, I pray that you bless our week and we would go out of here. Lord, just being a light to others. Provide for us. Lord, when the enemy comes and condemns us of our past and makes us worry about our future, that we would come and rest in you, that there be trust and rest in our homes and in our hearts. And Lord, that we would rejoice in everything that you're doing and knowing that you're true and faithful. So bless everyone here as we go our way, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.